Welcome to Strengthen the Numbers. My name is Wei Chen Yong, a global finance leader that champions environmental sustainability and gender equality. It is my ambition to bring business and social movement leaders to the show, deconstruct with them their stories, lessons learned into practical advice for us to remain relevant in accounting and finance while making a positive impact to the society. With that, let's go over to the show. Welcome everyone. Agnes and I first met at a global women's forum last year. So she and I struggle of a conversation on technology, innovation and entrepreneurship and all of these important attributes and factors that our listeners need to think about as we get ourselves ready into the future and how do we become a well-rounded finance um, business partner that drives sustainable business growth. So Hi Agnes, welcome to the Strength in the Number shows. I'm always excited to have a female guest mentor coming on to our podcast, first for gender diversity and for sure a different perspective and advice always. Now as a start, if you want to introduce yourself to our listeners, your background and how and when did you embark on this journey of starting your own business and what is the business that you're working on at the moment? Good morning Weixin, thank you for having me. I came to Singapore in 2015. I have a background in finance and auditing. I used to work for Coopers and Librarians and Ernst & Young. But not only, I used also to work for iBanking and the private equity sector in Europe. But when I came to Singapore, it seems to me very important to learn Chinese. So I started to take class on Skype. So how's your Chinese right now? <laughs> I had a French accent, definitely. <laughs> uh, but they managed to make me speak in about one year and a half which was really amazing. And each time Skype was not working, we used to switch to WeChat. This is how I fell in love with WeChat, having you know, this uh, network and connected services that you can access very wow. easily. And I started to look at the platform mechanism that helped China uh, increase the business uh, with small and medium-sized companies. And I started to think about FTT at that time. So how can we create a platform mechanism for B2B, for small businesses, so that they can grow? And for me, the first element was to connect uh, every business. Then to build a business uh, story based on accessing different services that are essential for growth. And financing, insurance, logistics were the main ones. Then we uh, tried to find the best technology at that time to, uh, to use to provide a proof of trust mechanism because as an accountant, we like things to be audited and trailed, right? Traceable. <laughs> so it was a, a professional deformation <laughs> that led me to try some blockchain mechanism because it was really in the, in the vibe. And I think I loved it uh, because I could also see the limits of centralized mechanism in Europe. When the state collapses, like in Greece or in, in Spain, there is nothing left behind. The banking system also collapses, as well as the economy. So this is how we started a pilot using a blockchain protocol as the center of the system and trying to create a workflow of value for small businesses to make everything digital, starting from a purchase order, mm. invoice, mm. payment, and request for financing and insurance. 
Wow. Okay. It's quite an amazing journey in terms of when you first have the idea in your mind that you wanted to create something, and then the creation of FTT. If you wanted to help our listener understand a little more what FTT stands for, and how does your day look like as your own boss running FTT? So we we have uh, two descriptions of fast track trade. Either we use the comparison with Facebook for SMEs on blockchain. Oh, I like that the Facebook for SME. <laughs> Except that we uh, the difference that uh, in Facebook nobody controls who you are when you join the platform, mm-hmm. uh, but on fast track trade we uh, check the your corporate registration number so that there is no gray business on the platform, or the WeChat for SMEs. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to WeChat, uh, to my WeChat experience. And effectively, we, we started from scratch. That is to say, I put together a few slides and I fetched around to convince people that this was the new business model to grow trade between SMEs, between countries, between trade zones. And I was doing this in the middle of the Brexit and, you know, the Trump election, which created a lot of controversies on free trade agreements. It also create opportunity, I guess. And it created a huge opportunity <laughs> because, you know, uh, because of the Brexit, great, uh, the, the UK had to think about this trade zone again. So they came back to the Commonwealth countries. There are about 50 countries in this uh, trade zone, but there is no mechanism for all of them. Uh, I, I love the way that you are able to connect the dots. The ability to look at the macro, what's happening outside, and what can that be then translate to a business opportunity? That is, it's really wonderful. So that came from my, I think, my finance background, because essentially people trust us, as we are not dreamers, and we always show them evidence with backed by numbers. And I remember my first presentations to the Commonwealth Enterprise and Investment Council CEO or in front of some representatives of the Ministry of Trade of Australia, telling them, guys, the battlefield now is digital. If you have no network for trade, like the Americans have with Amazon or eBay, and the Chinese have with WeChat or Alibaba, you're gone. You will simply not exist on the digital trade worldwide. So they started to understand the importance of you know, bringing a protocol, which is effectively a program to secure transactions worldwide. And of course, we focused on SMEs because this is a huge potential for, for trade. Mostly large corporates are already organized. They are physical uh, networks and they can, you know, always get the most of it. But SMEs, they cannot most of the time go beyond what is physically reachable to them. That's actually great. I mean, a wonderful example that you share about yourself. How do you leverage the strength of your finance background? Because of the credibility that you bring, because the trust that you know the accounting and finance profession has developed over the years with the stakeholders, of course, with your awareness around you know technology and innovation as well. So on that journey, when you're exploring all this thing and put your business idea into an actual business as FTT, what will be the one moment that stands out the most? You know, why this is the most memorable moment for you? We, as a team, we had a fantastic moment. The FinTech Festival in 2017 and also a few events that we were invited. But the best moment was... Yes, the best. <laughs> ...my participation in a roundtable with Theresa May and Liam Fox around in the middle of the Brexit. Oh, that uh, must be a 
quite a moment. <laughs> that was quite a moment. Uh, essentially, we had maybe 12 people around the table. We were all jet lagged. So at some point, you know, you forget completely that uh, you're dealing with uh, VIPs, the, the, the greatest VIPs in the world, and you have to participate. And you have to tell them in a few words that digital trade is key and focusing on a trade zone that can be the Commonwealth can compensate for the exit with Europe. So we had a few comments that were also very interesting because in this meeting there were also the, the CEOs of the WTO and the International Chamber of Commerce. And from that meeting, which may have last one hour max, we started to be invited to a lot of trade dialogues in Geneva, uh, but also to the Banking Commission of the uh, International Chamber of Commerce in Beijing to speak about the role of alternative financing and platform mechanism to boost uh, ec the economic growth in emerging markets. So as a French person, it was very awkward to be ad invited at that meeting because they, most of the participants were either British or coming from the Commonwealth countries like Canada or um, Australia. But then they also invited me at the Guild Hall, which is a fantastic place, which is just like the, the, the center of London decision making. That brought also very nice memories because it was the first time that we toasted the Queen, we heard the stories about you know, Nelson Mandela, the relationship between Nelson Mandela and the, and the Queen. And it was so nicely put that for the first time, I felt like not being French anymore. <laughs> Oh, I love that. So you, you felt like a global citizen. You, everybody is, is part of this huge global community. I, I guess that is where I see the vision that you have for FTT as well. So what's really exciting you right now at the moment in running FTT? So many things because we made the technology work. So initially it was a technology challenge. But when it starts working, this is when you need to be preoccupied by the business and which angle you should take for adoption. And this is where, you know, you need to go back immediately to your potential users and to get feedback. Because even though you are smart and you broke something to life, which works as a software, you don't know who is going to use it and who is really the key targeted users that you should focus on. So we went for customer feedback. We, we did immediately a series of customer feedback with about 30 SMEs in Singapore. We asked them what they thought about the system, uh, what they liked about it, and genuinely to give us guidance for the next steps. Once you got that, mm. it means that you can keep progressing in the programming, but you also have found your, uh, a bit your market. But it's not enough yet, because we started to have signs of interest by also NGOs and United Nations, because they could see that this platform mechanism could bring a lot of value to the least developed countries where there is nothing existing in terms of digital commerce program. So this is where you need also to focus on what is your value proposition and e eventually maybe come up to three products that you can definitely analyze in relation with the value that is brought to all the participants. We wanted to focus on business communities who can use fast track trade as a business tool, a, tool, a toolkit for digital trade. We have another product which is for impact, for isolated SMEs, which cannot be reached out and where you know, NGOs 
or in international institutions are trying to sense their trade aid programs. And another one is for sustainable supply chain, because most of the supply chains in ASEAN may be big locally, but they have no common system to make their suppliers, their fragmented suppliers, participate. With fast track trade, it's just a plug-in mechanism. You can plug and play like on a Facebook, and then everything becomes digital. So not only uh, you can record what you buy from these small suppliers, the data is there. You can also organize e-payments on e-wallet, and you can request financing in one click. So that can change a lot of lives because right now, most of these businesses are not even recorded properly. They have no identity and they cannot access any kind of data about what they do because everything is paper. Well, I really like the example in terms of the business development experience that you and your team have gone through in terms of, you know what the services or solutions that you have, but how do we find the target market? And how do we then propose our value proposition to our customers as well? Now, relating that back to a accounting and finance professional, how do you see you know he or she can better position themselves in terms of demonstrating that value to the business stakeholders? As an accountant or as a, a finance person, there are many things that you can bring forward. And we need to think in the digital era right now. It's not only about technical advice, but it's also about anything that can bring revenues to a business. And the way to bring revenues right now are really funny. Before, you, need, you wanted to be specialized and organize a physical network of potential distributors or new clients. But right now, the way to give advice to a digital business would be to manage its Instagram campaigns, its Facebook campaigns to the best so that you know it can be contacted by new users and this is also one of the high traffic that is completely new and would not come to the old class of uh, I would say of accountants but that needs to be considered seriously because in emerging markets nobody is going to come physically to you if you don't have a presence on Instagram or on Facebook your business does not exist simply wow, because okay. you cannot afford for a website. There is no website and nobody really has learned how to use a browser. So you need to go on a mobile first. And guess what? This is when serious people can start, uh, will start thinking, ah, this one is doing business with his mobile. Is this serious? <laughs> yes, this is definitely serious. It's a really a new way, a new angle of making a business grow. And that needs also to be taken into account with the evolution of accounting because on fast track trade we offer various services which are cloud-based. We also have accounting in the cloud. We have corp corporate secretary in the cloud and these companies are used to deal with their clients remotely with chats, with digital signature of documents and there is very limited physical contact between a client and this accounting firm and this is going to be the future of a lot of uh, services. You still need to meet people physically because it's about reassurance and it's about physical contact that brings trust. But most of the process will be definitely digital. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Digital is definitely a future, especially in this part of the world, in Asia Pacific. Almost everybody has a mobile phone, and Asia Pacific has the youngest population around the world as well. The future generation, that's what they live on, and Instagram campaigns. So, so how do you see accountants getting themselves adopted, adjusted to be running the Instagram campaign? What are some of the things that an accountant can get, can get themselves better prepared? Well, uh, let's look at me, right? Uh, <laughs> nobody prepared me, and we did our trial and mistakes. Uh, you need to go and try these things. Go beyond the first perception that this is not serious, because you have all sorts of names on uh, Instagram. You cannot really relate to a person. But when you look at it, it's a way of communicating, and uh, it's a way of uh, se- uh, pushing sentiments, pushing needs also right away. And if you get right away an answer, this is all that you need. You don't want to wait a week for a formal email to come to you. Mm. If someone like me, who has a very traditional background, could make the move and is having a lot of fun right now pushing, promoting my users on Instagram, because this is what Fast Track Trade is about, you know, promoting other services and other SMEs to make sure that their talent is recognized and can be contacted for sales. Anyone can do it. And essentially, your youngest accountants that come uh, right after university, they all have these mobile-first skills. So just look at them and just make, make sure that they feel comfortable working in a traditional environment, like accounting and finance, but still keeping the methods that they used at uh, university in terms of connectivity, instantaneous uh, messaging, and also a uh, capability to, to re- reply without checking big books. <laughs> checking big book. But your story is definitely fascinating. How do you how you reinvent yourself from learning Chinese on WeChat and getting the inspiration up from WeChat and all the way right now running all this social media campaign. And one of the attributes that you described earlier is about collaboration, connecting people. How do you see that as a strength for our listeners? And how should a young professional accountant start to focus and develop that skill? I think there is a lot to take from the youngest accountants. And uh, maybe let, let me explain how we, we used to work as a team. We, we used uh, two technology firms who brought in you know, young computer uh, engineers. And the way we were working was very different from in any other corporates. First, because you stand and you put stickers on the wall on anything that needs to be done. So you need to tend to ca- characterize small stories on a piece of paper that stays on the wall and you don't pick up the paper unless the stories have been completed. Then when you stand, it takes a lot of, <laughs> a lot of effort. So basically, you don't want lengthy meetings to last. You just want to go right to the point. Mm. And you want to attribute also the work to all the team. And the funny thing is, with using our collaborative tools, uh, which are softwares, you can see what people deliver. And this is also very, very, uh, very tough because the one who cannot deliver needs to be held by another one. But you will see what they have done during the day, whereby in a traditional organization, you don't see anything. If some, if some people don't come up with anything good, or just play political games, you will not see this. Whereby in a small team like that, all your young people have the same right to express themselves and have the same voice to show you what should be done. And I'm going to take an example. Although it was supposed to start as a pilot on the blockchain, 
what they picked up first. They told me, and yes, everyone is using a chat message system. So we should have an internal chat at the center of whatever we do. I said to them, fine, let's go for it. So we started to implement a chat instead of trying to test the blockchain mechanism. And from there, started Fast Track Trade as a real connectivity tool. But that came from the team momentum and from the youngest. You need to hear and you need to make sure that they can be heard and that every single decision in terms of team organization and future of the firm is taken with young people right now. Why? Because above the age of 40, we have been taught and we have been used to work in organizations where paper and centralization is huge. And this is all the opposite that is happening right now with the digital network exactly. and platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And we cannot get it. And it is okay not to get it. But as long as you can listen to the youngest and you make sure that their view on directing the business uh, is still taken into, uh, into account for your organization. And I guess if you believe that your organization is too mature or too, there is too much inertia, you need to do it outside of the system. But you want to make sure that you have young people coming out of the university, bringing their tools and bringing their way of behaving, networking to the others, because this is the way that is going to make you win in the you know, digital transformation. You're absolutely right. The message about diversity, including across different generations, in this case will be the Generation Z, I think they're the youngest, <laughs> and create an environment and process that's very open, transparent, when everybody's voices can be heard. That is something that will definitely kind of um, lead all of us into the future and in a very exciting future that I'm sure FTT is going to play a big, very big part of role in that as well. Yeah, let, let, let me maybe bring two examples of, of this. The first one is we all learned based on checklists, right? <laughs> we are the champions of checklists and um, an accountant. Which generation of <laughs> Young accountant would think that he has done his work properly if the checklist has been checked and every everything has been filled. In our way to work in building fast track trade, it was all the opposite. The we, we came up with stories, ideas, feedbacks from all over the place to then concentrate them and make sure that we would go, there is a line, a guidance, but we need to go outside of the checklist to make sure that our users would find the software friendly and usable. And the second example that I'd like to pick up is this uh, distributed ledger technology that we are using. And just imagine this. We have been starting all to learn about bank's reconciliation on fast track trade. There is no need for bank reconciliation anymore. There is no need for purchase order and invoice reconciliation anymore. Everything happens on the platform. Yeah. And you just see the status, done, done, paid, that comes up. And you can have this view on your mobile and you can just relax on your sofa, just pushing the next transaction for payment. The status would be picked up by the software. So every single data would be then timestamped and logged into a distributed ledger, which is just a big database. And if you want to find it again, you just need to go to this database. Wow. I, I mean, I love the example uh, that you use about how technology, in this case DLT, the distributed ledger, ledger technology, 
it's going to change how accountants going to work moving into the future. There's no more reconciliation as well. But instead, we're going to have something that's, that's more trustworthy, reliable, and less time consumption for us to complete that. And for the record, to be trustworthy as well. But you know the way you talk about FTT is really fun. It's very exciting. The ways of working is totally different. So just for our listeners, some of them may get very excited as in, you know, I wanted to be like Agnes. I wanted to, to start something. Um, my own as my own business what would be the advice that you want to give to our listeners if they are start to think about embarking on the journey as an entrepreneur or they're thinking about working with a startup say for example the journey is fantastic but you need to make sure that you can last at least three years so you need to have three years in front of you and be financially independent. So that three that. is a magical number. Three is a magical number. Uh, people who say, okay, I'm just going to abandon after three months. I mean, these, these guys are not real entrepreneurs. Our journey was one year to prepare, one year to program, and we are in the third year where we meet with our business and we meet with our users. And this needs to be in your mind because there are days, fantastic days, where you're up and running and everything is fun and uh, you convince users to come, services to come. And there are days where you don't want to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to, to know about it. That is to say, every day you may have, at the beginning, I mean, of the, of the entrepreneur journey, you have five good reasons to stop and one fantastic reason to keep going. And the best entrepreneurs are the ones who can see only the best reason to keep going. Oh, I love that, yes. There are more obstacles than uh, you know, the positive that's out there for you. Exactly. And then you will see that the game is going to reverse when you, you hit your market, because it's going to be the opposite. Five good reasons every day to keep going, and one usually personal <laughs> bad <laughs> to stop. And this is when you realize that what you have created is going to keep going besides and beyond your vision as the founder. This is where you really have made the point of your business idea getting into a real business instead of a concept. And that resilience, because you talk about, you know, when you first started, there are going to be five negatives, one positive. So an individual must be very resilient. So how do you see an individual build out that resilience capability? Can it be trained? Uh, usually you train because uh, if, you, if you like sports, uh, it's exactly the same, you know. Uh, when you start playing tennis, you're going to be kicked out. <laughs> you're going to lose all your games before you tend to understand that you need to be patient, you need to observe the game of the other one and you want to stay in. <laughs> but it's a bad character, luck. I want to push also the luck mechanism because if you're not lucky to meet the right people, first, it's not worth spending three years trying to push something that would never happen. Uh, but you need to make sure that you create random networking, uh, you, you go to random networking events because the random element is key. The people who were key in uh, fast track trade and the, the, the various steps of fast track trade were met randomly. And you need to be open to go and talk to people, to uh, be just curious about what they do before you start introducing fast-track trade. And this is the way that you create your network and then you create brand ambassadors who are going to relay you, even though they are not your employees. And it is key. So it's not only about 
resilience. It's also about luck and random factor. A lot of uh, transpiration also. <laughs> I love the fact that you talk about a character of an individual and be lucky. And our listeners are very lucky to have you today, Agnes, in sharing with us your journey from you know, starting a traditional career with ENY and all the way to become an entrepreneur, to become boss of yourself, running FTT and, and truly making an impact, especially for the SME in Asia Pacific. So thank you so much. So we're going to switch gear to get into something lighter for our listeners to get to know you personally. Now, when you look back, of your entire career, your journey, what will be the one best piece of advice that you have ever received? When you start working, you need to try whatever comes your way. And you need to make sure that you don't give up when you don't like it at first sight. Because this is not always the things that you don't like to do right away that will not bring value to you later on and that you will not be specialized for later on. And just be curious about everything. This is how I constructed my journey and I was also a bit of a toy for historical events because I participated in the financial crisis in 2008, <laughs> I became one of the bankers, uh, bankrupt bankers uh, in, in the UK. Then I participated in the financial crisis in Greece, I restructured the banking sector. So I've been part of these big events where you don't even think about your career. You just think about what you are part of. That is to say the collapse of, of the economies and the collapse of banks and all of this uh, waste because basically the organizations are centralized and they are not properly, uh, properly secure. I've never refused any, any kind of engagement which was considered as risky <laughs> and I will... I've run a lot of things that there was no guidance for, so uh, no checklist to go after. <laughs> Although uh, you started your career as an auditor. <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> exactly. Being a CFO during financial uh, distress for companies and so on. So I think your career is about having fun and constructing yourself. And there is a point where what you learn uh, needs to make sense with the pleasure that you have at work. And you may want also to, to take a step forward with anything that is digital. And this would be my very simple advice to uh, the young accountants who start. Always have an eye on what is digital because this is going to replace a lot of things in our life. And by nature, you are the best placed to uh, understand that and to lead the transformation in your, in your firm and refuse to proceed with paper documents and uh, you know <laughs> checklists. <laughs> That's why we're doing a podcast. Everything's recorded electronically. Um, anyway, wonderful advice to our, especially our young listeners in terms of embracing technology, tech risks, and also take ownership of your own career and your life as well. So you've gone through ups and downs. You've seen the financial crisis as well. You've met so many people along the journey. If you were to look at the word successful, who is the person that kind of comes to your mind and fit that definition of successful? Oh, I think there are many, but um, the one I like, and uh, once again, it's because I've studied a bit uh, the Chinese miracle, it's definitely Jack Ma. First of all, because he, he launched this big marketplace way before uh, anybody could understand what it was about. And also because they stick to it and they were almost you know, bankrupt three times before they manage it, but they kept going. That kept going, and I guess this is the best that could happen to the Chinese market. 
because they managed to uh, really uh, participate in the uplift of hundreds of millions of Chinese uh, out of poverty. And they created really this platform mechanism way, way beyond what the American platforms have, have done. So I really like this guy, I've never met him, but this is the one I push forward because I don't, I don't think that American founders done so much impact in the US or elsewhere versus the economic impact of Alibaba or even you know, WeChat in China. Oh, yes. I mean, Jack Ma definitely is a legacy in China and also outside of China. And I can see you are kind of driving the same vision as well for FTT, which is wonderful. If in the midst of your busy schedule, your work, what will be the one book that you recommend to our user or to our listeners that you think that can help them? I've been through a big book about, about China. <laughs> Uh, which is, which was really a, a miracle at the same time, a question mark for us Occidental uh, people. So it's from one of the, the big US uh, diplomats who hasn't followed the transformation of China among the various governments and the positioning of uh, Chinese leaders. He first as a closed country and now as an open country. I think coming from Europe, we just don't get that either. We have our own way of doing physical things. Uh, we have our laws, which tend to overprotect uh, people and so on. And um, we are not starving for new things and innovation. If you look at the other side of the planet, everyone is starving. Everyone wakes up in the morning because you need to make revenues come in. If not, maybe uh, they may be difficult to, to feed the family or to educate children. So mentality, the mentality is very different. And this is what I liked about this book, uh, to show the transformation of this communist Mindset. <laughs> mindset into now the entrepreneur mindset, which is, you know, tremendous. Right. Uh, and when we meet uh, fintech Chinese leaders, I mean, they are so much more in driven. the game. Yeah, yeah, driven. Motivated, yes, absolutely. Yeah, And we need our, our listeners to kind of think about that as well. I mean, for sure, you know, I, I'm very sure our listeners will be checking out this book. Big book, right? It's a big book. <laughs> China. <laughs> to think about, you know, how do we... Kissinger. It's from Kinsinger. Ah, Kissinger. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he's a, he's, a, he's a good writer. He has a couple of very good books published as well. So, wonderful. And, you know, if there's one thing we talk a lot about your journey, you have also given good advice in terms of what the accounting and finance profession needs to think about. If there's one thing that you, you know, that comes to your mind for the profession to stay relevant looking into the future, what will be the one qualities or attributes? So two things. Um, the first is uh, looking at digital transformation and digital tools with a lot of openness and curiosity and not like if it was the teenager approach because definitely this is going to take a big big place in our professional life. And the second aspect that I like and I would like to do more about is effectively the distributed ledger technology because it can help record a lot of data and help your work be meaningful without uh, having all these reconciliations to be done and so on. So effectively it's about using the technology to become more an advisor role and support you know, small companies, small and medium-sized companies who cannot afford that for now, but which will have definitely two, two types of uh, business approach, one physical and one, one digital. And accountants cannot stay away from the digital 
business model. They need also to understand it and they need to support it. With that future-oriented message for our listeners and the importance of technology, I wanted to again take the opportunity to thank you for coming to the show, Agnes. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show. And it's definitely an, a very inspiring conversation with you. You know, coming from a female entrepreneur that has taken a different career path. And your story, for sure, is going to inspire many of our listeners as, as they reflect upon their career, the importance of technology, and in this case, DLT, which is Distributed Ledger Technology. <laughs> Our listener, for sure, will remember that after this conversation. You, you spoke about multiple times, DLT, and the impact um, on the future ways of working. You use a good example of reconciliation as well, which most of the accountants love, but that is not something that they need to do in the future. <laughs> so they need to love something else. So, but, but most importantly, I think, is the message about how should we all adapt, adjust, and finding meaning in what we do so to have a fun and, and rewarding career. So uh, again, thank you so much. So now any parting thoughts for our listener or any resources that you may want to recommend and share with us? I think the main one would be to try something new every day so that you, you are on the path to analyze and identify anything that will happen and that will bring value added to you. So trying something new may come from the technology angle, but uh, may come from your personal life or uh, your professional life. Um, but this is really key. And I guess our children are used to it because my boy is just five-year-old and now he, he can open an, an iPad and walk through the iPad without me, which, uh, <laughs> uh, which sometimes uh, poses questions, right, on uh, <laughs> what you want him to access. But this is reality. And we, we want to make sure that uh, we are not left behind. And in any case, DLT, it's about blockchain, right? But I, I just don't want to, to use the word too much because the initial mechanism is, is really something that as an accountant or financing person, we can all understand and use. And then, you know, explaining data, we all know about it. So our journey, I would say, is really promising. We are the ones who can understand the best these technologies, believe it or not. It was not, you know, when I started with my software engineers, I had no clue how to run, you know, a protocol, how to uh, upload Ethereum, or, and it doesn't take much time to get used to it. I want to pass this message. It's just about openness, curiosity, and trying something new every day. And then you would not even notice it, but you would change. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, trying something new. So if our listeners wanted to continue a conversation with you in terms of how to try new things, what will be the best way for them to get in touch with you? So two things, very easy. One, to register on Fast Track Trade so that I get <laughs> feedback from uh, professionals of, from accounting and, and finance. And of course, on LinkedIn, you can reach me, Agnes, you go, and whatever questions you have, you can just send them to me. Thank you so much once again. Thank you, Agnes. Thank you for coming Thank to you, the Wei-Chin. show. Thank you, Wei-Chin. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed the show today. If you'd like to know more of our guest mentor today, their bio and resources, you can find all that at sitnshow.com. You will also get access to early show, blog, 
Also for subscription to our newsletter for activities and resources that are going to help you continue to build your strength and capabilities along the journey of finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback and suggestion. Or if there's a guest mentor that you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I would love to connect and hear from you. Let us keep building our strength in the numbers while growing a finance community that contributes positively to the society.